Revelation chapter number 21. I feel like we had church tonight, amen? And wonderful. Thank you for all the singing. You sang so well tonight, and I appreciate that. Revelation 21, we're in our series, What is to Come? And I think this is message either 10 or 11. I can't remember which message we're on. I only have two more left. I think I'm going to have my dad preach either next week or the week after, whatever I can convince him to do. And uh, my dad has done, my dad has uh, uh, been a pastor for uh, going on 20 years, and he uh, has done a lot of studies on end times and uh, has forgotten more than I know. And I look forward to hearing his message. And uh, we've talked about that a few times. So hopefully either next week or the week after, we'll get to hear from him. And so, uh, but tonight we're going to uh, get into this message on the seven new things, the seven new things. Last week, I preached a message on the seven dooms. How many remember the seven dooms? And my kids were asking me on the way here, Dad, what were the seven dooms? And so we're going over that, and I can remember six of them, amen? And uh, But tonight, we're going to have the seven new things, and aren't you glad we serve a God who makes all things new? How many of you are glad that He made you new? Amen. Amen. So last week, we looked at the seven dooms, the seven judgments that God issued on those who ultimately reject Him in Christ, the false church, Babylon, the false prophet, the Antichrist, the wicked dead, Satan himself. Tonight, we will see seven new things that God is going to do, and I'm certainly thankful that God is able to make all things new. Look at Revelation chapter number 21, look at verse number 1, and let's read it together. Ready, begin. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. John, we know, is exiled to the Isle of Patmos. He is there. That was part of his persecution. John was there. He was not martyred like some of the, all the other apostles there. And so he's on the Isle of Patmos, and God is revealing unto him the end times, what is going to take place. And so these last few weeks and months that we've been talking, we've gone through the end times from the start message of the sign of the times and how we look around us in the world today and we see, according to scriptures, we are not doomsday theorists. Uh, we do not predict dates. We do not do those things. If you do those things, that's between you and the Lord. But I just don't see anywhere in Scripture where that's biblical. The Bible says only God the Father knows the time. And so if somebody comes out on the radio and says it's going to be uh, uh, October the 17th, 2021, just mark it down. That's not the day it's going to happen. Amen. <laughs> and so we don't know the times. We definitely, though, can see the signs of the times. We can see things that are taking place. We can see, uh, as we read Timothy, how man is uh, without natural affection and men are doing uh, things that they've never done before. And we understand all of that. And so we went through the signs of the times. We understand. We talked about the rapture of the church. And for those that know Christ and those that have Christ in their heart, there's different beliefs about the rapture. There's pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation rapture. And uh, we went into all the details about that. Of course, we at our church, we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture here. And praise God for that. And uh, so we talked about that. We talked about the great tribulation process, seven years. Three and a half years, it's going to be the four horsemen. And you remember all those things, famine and destruction and war. And then the midway point, the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist is going to set up an image and he's going to tell the world to worship this image. And then we see the last three and a half years is, uh, uh, I believe the timing there is when the vials are poured out. The seventh vial is poured out. Armageddon takes place and the armies are destroyed. And then Christ returns for his second coming, his return uh, to rule and reign in the millennial kingdom. But throughout all this process, 
We've learned that God is not going to leave anything untied. He's going to deal with everything. He's going to deal with every group, every geographical location. He's going to deal with all the spiritual entities, whether they be, uh, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. God's going to deal with all those things. And now tonight, he's going to give us how he's going to deal with the seven new things. And so let's pray together, and we'll get right into the message. Father, pray that you bless the message tonight. Work in our hearts. Thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that we can understand it, Lord, the things that we don't understand. Father, I pray that you'd open our understanding. Give us patience. Help us to learn. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The first new thing that God is going to do is, number one in your notes, a new heaven a new heaven. Revelation 21.1 says, and I saw a new what, church? Heaven. heaven, a new heaven. And then right after that, he says the new earth. So the new heaven and the new earth. What heaven is the Bible speaking about here? We see the word heaven here is used in a singular form. This is to limit the heaven, not to mean the, not to mean the heavens, but the heaven. Take your Bibles quickly and go to Psalms chapter number 8. Psalms chapter number 8. When the Bible uses the plural word heavens, he's talking about the moon and the stars and things of that nature. So look at uh, Psalms 8. This is just an example. Look at verse 3. When I considered the what? Heavens. And this is plural form. When I considered the what, church? Heavens, the work of thy fingers and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Uh, Throughout Scripture, uh, Christ, or excuse me, throughout Scripture, God inspires the writers to use the word heavens here in a plural form, so, because in this particular word, it's a singular form to mean not the heavens above, the stars and the planets and all the things that God has made, but to mean our atmosphere. There's going to be a traumatic event that takes place at the end of time, and we're going to see global warming just like that. God is going to, going to that was a joke, but we'll just move on. Um, that was a poor attempt at a joke. The Bible uh, uses the word heavens, and it's synonymous with space, and that's in the plural form, the moon and the stars. This verse is not to to indicate that God is going to create a new universe, but a new atmosphere for the earth. The earth, as we understand it, is going to go through some extreme physical changes uh, towards the end of time. And so it's phenomenal to think that God can literally craft a new atmosphere with just a spoken word. It's incredible to think about the, the immense, uh, it's unfathomable to think about the power of God, how he can just speak into existence a new atmosphere. And so it's an amazing thing. Just a practical thought here, if we can trust God to create a new atmosphere for us, we can trust God to handcraft our lives. Amen. Amen. And I think sometimes it's easier for us to believe, oh, God will just create a new atmosphere than it is for us to say, well, God can protect me, or God can guide me, or God can help me in my life. I mean, understand what I'm saying? And so may we trust God with our lives. And that's just a side note. But we see here a new heaven will be created. Number two, we see a new earth will be created. Revelation 21, 21. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth were what? They were passed away. They have been destroyed. God, uh, because of the events that take place, these were, uh, for whatever reason, God has destroyed the heavens and the earth. And so there was no more sea. So heaven and earth, when they were first created, we read about that in Genesis chapter number one. In the beginning, God what? He what? 
All right, just all the kids under 15 years old, okay? All the kids under 15. Callum, Gavin, where you at? Jen, Jen, you ready? Your kids ready? Macy, you ready? In the beginning, God created the... Very good. Let's try that again. In the beginning, God created the... Very good. God created. I said God created. Amen. Amen. God created. God spoke the world into existence. But when it's described, let's go there. Let's go to Genesis chapter number one. It's easy to find. Amen. Genesis chapter number one. Look at verse number one. Oh, I love the Genesis account. And, and parents and, and grandparents, may we teach our kids the Genesis account. In the beginning, verse number one, God created the heaven and the earth. Notice how it says there, in the beginning. It doesn't say in, uh, in uh, 15,000 B.C. It doesn't say millions and billions of years ago. No, it just says in the beginning. In the beginning. It's a dateless creation. The earth was form and void, the Bible says. Look what it says, verse 2. And the earth was without form and void. The darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We see that God is Alpha. He is the Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega means He was God in the beginning without, without beginning, and God the end without end. So God, who is the Alpha, created in the beginning heaven and earth. When did God create the heaven and earth? It was in the beginning of time. And God spoke it into existence. Boy, it's hard for us to wrap our brains around that. And because of sin, as we talked about this morning, as by one man sin entered into the world, the earth has suffered many things because of sin. Earthquakes, storms, famines, volcanoes, hurricanes, fires. Uh, uh, of course, the single greatest disaster the world has ever seen, the global worldwide flood, Noah's flood. The earth also bears the mark of sin, Disease, parasites, extinction, death, decay, all of these were not ordained by God, but were set into motion because of the moment of sin being introduced into the world. The world is cursed by sin. When Adam sinned, the flower garden that was once, uh, you put a seed in the ground and God caused it to bloom, now it has thorns. Now you have weeds and crabgrass that grows in your lawn. Amen. <laughs> And because of, uh, because of these things, the earth has been cursed because of sin. In scientific terms, the earth became uh, what we call uh, entropied or entropy, where everything tends or has the tendency to disorder. How many of you drive your car and it doesn't get better, it gets worse? But that's entropy. Our bodies are not getting better. <laughs> Amen. We're all, as Pastor Tharp said last Thursday night, we're all on a steady march to death or somewhere. He said that. And thanks for the encouragement, Pastor Tharp. Amen. And <laughs> but it's true. The second law of thermodynamics. By the way, I don't know what your belief is about evolution, but I don't know how you can reconcile evolution with entropy. Everything is on a tendency to disorder. God created the heavens and the earth perfect. Adam and Eve were in a perfect environment. God made everything perfect, but sin brought upon the world a curse, and with the curse of sin brought destruction. God made an amazing planet. How many like to watch nature shows? Anybody like to do that? My family and I, we love to watch nature shows. We were watching a show last night. Uh, we try to watch something low-key before church on, on Saturday night so everybody falls asleep early. And so we're watching a show about the whales and 
I've never watched, uh, studied about whales. Anybody ever do that? You ever, you ever notice how whales sleep? They sleep vertically. It's the coolest thing you've ever seen. And so these, these whales, blue whales, sperm whale, all these whales, they get, they, they have all their young who stay towards the surface and they surround their young sleeping vertically to protect them. And only half of their brain sleeps at a time. So they don't drown while they're sleeping. <laughs> don't try that at home. God created that. Not as the scientists suggest where it started out as an alligator-like thing and then crawled into the water and all of a sudden discovered that it doesn't need legs anymore and swimming's a better option, so it just went ahead and dropped the legs at some point and, and turned into fins at some point and was able to breathe underwater and all these things. Listen, uh, you can believe all that stuff if you want to. That's between you and God. All I'm trying to say is God created everything perfect. Amen. Everything was perfect. A beautiful world. An amazing planet. And by the way, it's only because of God that our planet is sustained. We talked about that a few, uh, a few months ago in a message, how the world is at an axis and it spins so many thousands of miles an hour and it rotates around the sun so many thousand miles an hour and all just in perfect timing. God sustains life on earth. And, but during the great tribulation, there's going to be such an immense destruction. There will be a need to recreate it, to remake it, if you will, God is going to set earth back into its original form pre-sin. Think about that. Animals won't eat each other. There'll be no drought. There'll be no thorns. There'll be no parasites. No blood-sucking insects. There'll be no spiders and all the women. Now, there'll probably be spiders, but you won't be scared of them, amen? Uh, there'll be no poisonous snakes. There'll be no savage beasts that will tear a man. There'll be no labor. Labor in the sweat of the brow. Labor will be done in joy. There'll be no germs that harm. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no death. There'll be no more crying. That will be the earth that God is going to recreate. A new heaven and a new earth. Number three, a new city. Go to Revelation chapter number nine. Look at chapter number 21, verse nine. And there came unto me seven angels at seven vials full of the last plagues. Look at verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit in a great high mountain. Show me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out from heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone. Jasper is like a, a really bright uh, clay red color, clear as crystal and and had a great wall on high, twelve gates, and the gates were, uh, and at the gates twelve angels, and the names written thereon, uh, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, and in the north three gates, and the south three gates, and the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the walls thereof. And the city lieth, notice this, four square. And the length is as large as the breadth, and he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs, that's 1,500 miles. 12,000 furlongs, and the length and the breadth and the height are equal. The length and the breadth and the what? The height. This thing is going to be 1,500 miles in the air. At the closest place between earth and space is only like 63 miles. Think about that for a moment. <laughs> Verse 18, and the building of the wall will be like jasper, the city pure gold, clear glass. The foundation of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardis, the sixth sardius, the seventh crystallite. The, that sounds like the stuff you put in your drink. It turns into 
lemonade. Anyways, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, uh, trisaphorus, the eleventh, jensenth, the twelfth, amethyst. You probably say those better than me. Verse 21, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls, and every several gate was of one pearl, and the streets thereof were of what? Pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun. This place is 1,500 miles square, and it has no need of the sun, because that's how bright Jesus Christ will be. Neither moon will shine in it. The glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Now look at chapter number 22. Go to chapter 22. Look at verse 5. I'll read you one verse there. Genesis chapter number 22. Look at verse 5. And there shall be no what? No night. We sang that this morning. No more night, no more pain. There will be no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. We see in this passage the new city, the place is lowered down from heaven. The new city, the holy city, New Jerusalem, is the home and residence of the bride, the church. And we know that this residence is prepared for the bride as a bride coming down. I'm reminded of what Jesus says in John chapter number 14, verse 1 through 4. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a what? Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. If God could speak the worlds into existence in six days, imagine what Jesus Christ could do all this time. I go to prepare a place for you and will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, where Jesus is, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. These are some awesome words. I go to prepare a place for you. This new city, Jerusalem, as a divine architect and is of a celestial origin. No mortal hands will have touched it. No, uh, no mortal hands will have designed it. No mortal hands will have constructed it. It will be built specifically and only by Christ. This new city, as I mentioned, will be 1,500 miles square. And did you get that? Where's Brother Andrew Linder? Where are you at, Brother Linder? Are you in here? He might be on security tonight. Did we have that image there of the red square? Do we got? Would you show that for me? I sent this later on. And so if you look at the red square on the map of America, that's 1,500 miles square. That's how big the, the, the holy city of Jerusalem, the Bible says it will be. But it will not only be 1,500 miles square, it'll be 1,500 miles tall. Some people believe that it'll be like a cube shape. If you look it up online, there's a lot of cube shapes. Some writers believe it'll be a pyramid shape. But either way, it's going to be amazing. Amen. It's going to be huge. <laughs> it's going to be huge. <laughs> it's going to be huge. It's going to be amazing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Moving on. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a vast city. We're told the length, the breadth, and the height, they're all equal. Whether it's a cube or a pyramid or whatever shape it's going to be, it's going to have 12 gates, three on each side, all made of one pearl. That's a big oyster. The gates are never going to close. The walls will be made of jasper. The foundations will be garnished with precious stones and contain the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Of course, the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the Lamb being in the same place, showing unity in Christ, the Jew and the Gentile, coming together as the, 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 the veil was rent in twain. We understand all these things. There's a lot of other symbolism, a lot of other things we can get into tonight. But I simply wanted to point out to you the, the incredible vastness of this new city. 
Revelation 21, 23, we read, uh, we read a few minutes ago, the city will have no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. The gates shall not be shut by day, for there will be no night there. So we see here a new city. So a new heaven, a new earth, and a new city. Let's go to number four here. We see the new nations. Go to Revelation 21, and we're going to look at verse 24. By the way, how many are looking forward to heaven? Amen. I'm already putting together my message for next week. We're going to talk about the alabaster box. And I was thinking about this today as, as I was going through studying. I was thinking about this. Think about the most precious thing in your life, the most precious thing you own. For most of us, we're not rich. <laughs> we're not rich. By, I mean, we're rich in, in the Lord, and we're rich in family and in love and those kinds of things. But most of us, we don't have a whole lot to put in a box. The streets in heaven are going to be made of gold. So the most precious things that we own here on earth don't compare to the pavement in heaven. So just think about that this week before we get into our message next week, even though I just blew my illustration. All right, number four here, we see the new nations. Look at Revelation 21, look at verse 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall, be, uh, shall not be shut at all by day, and there shall be no night there. And there shall uh, bring the glory and honor of nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, uh, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't know if my dad or myself, one of us is going to talk maybe about the millennial reign. And of course, the, the city there that Jesus Christ is reigning during the millennial reign, there's going to be a different set of rules at that time during that 1,000 years. It's an interesting time, and it's very, uh, very interesting to think about. But outside of the city walls, now talking about the, uh, the millennial reign, there will be a, the surface of the new earth. Nations shall dwell, whose kings shall bring their glory and honor into it. Because there'll be no more sin on the earth. We know that Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm mixing up the, the millennial reign in heaven here. Forgive me for that. Where do these people come from? Where do these new nations come from that God is going to have on the earth outside of that new city, Jerusalem? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, and maybe my dad can help us with that a little bit more when he preaches on it. But I do know this, that God is going to protect some people during when, when Jesus Christ is during the millennial reign. God is going to, of course, uh, when the, the nations surround the city there, God is going to destroy the nations with fire. Those that rebel, when Satan is loosed after a thousand years, he's going to He's going to burn them with fire. And so there's going to be those people in the city that are going to go into these new nations and, and maybe God uh, protects them somehow like he protected Noah and the ark. I don't know the answer to that. I just know there'll be new, a new, a new, na uh, new nations on the earth at this time. Number five here, we see a new river. Revelation chapter number 22, verse one. Look at this verse. It says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life as clear, clear crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. This river is called the river of water or the river of life. The source spring, we know, is the throne of God. We understand and we sing that, that song, I have a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind. We understand that the, the water of life has come into us because of Jesus Christ. And by the way, we today have the river of life still flowing out of us. And that's why we ought to take it to the nations and to our neighbors because they, they need to hear about the river of life. But this river of life, this new river of life in heaven, it's going to give this life-giving power that God gives to all. Out of God is a constant flow of life. 
a constant flow that grants eternal life. Without the flow, we would die. He is the sustainer of all things. You see, when we get to heaven, God is still going to sustain heaven. God still sustains everything. He is the great sustainer. Number six here, so we see the new river. Then we see the new tree of life, Revelation 22, 2. Now, how many remember the old tree of life and the old tree of the knowledge of good and evil in, in Genesis? Remember the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What happened when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? So what passed upon men? Death. Because Adam and Eve sinned, the original sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. God created Adam and Eve in a perfect environment. They were created without sin. They, were, they, had no, they did not even know what sin was. They had no knowledge of good and evil. God did not create sin. He created this tree and said, don't touch it. But man disobeyed and rebelled against God. And when they took the apple, when they took the fruit there, not the apple, but the fruit, whatever the fruit was, that God opened, their eyes were open, and they knew good and evil. Well, now there's going to be a new tree of life. Look at verse 22, verse 2, chapter 22, verse 2. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the what? Tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Some people think that there's going to be 12 different fruits that, 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 that bloom and, and, and grow different times and different months. We have no idea. The Bible doesn't get that specific. But once God creates a new earth, he's going to create billions of trees. But he's going to create a specific tree, the tree of life. The Bible says it has and bears 12 kinds of fruits. Revelations 2.7 says this, if you look back at Revelation 2.7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The tree of life is a symbol of God's life-giving power. The choice to eat of the tree is a choice that God gives. Adam and Eve had the choice to be satisfied of, a, of the good tree, or they could disobey God and have the choice of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Number seven, lastly tonight, we see a new throne. Revelation chapter 22, look at verse three. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. In the new Jerusalem, there will be no temple. Think about this, in heaven there will be no church building. There will be no central location to worship, Christ will be the central location. We will all come together as God's people to worship Christ. There will be no, uh, there will only be Jesus there. The Lord God Almighty, the Lamb, will be the temple of the new city. They will be the worship place of the new city. The fact, the fact is, is that the whole city itself will be Jesus' temple where we are. The, the tabernacle of God, the Bible says, shall be with men. Former things are passed away. Isn't that a comforting verse? <laughs> Former things are passed away. How many of you have ever been to the dentist? How many of you would rather do anything than go to the dentist? I went to the dentist recently, and I'm pretty sure this dentist was trained in POW camps somewhere. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting in the chair, and I don't like the dentist anyway. You ask my wife, I hate going to the dentist, but I'm sitting there, and I got a I need a tooth fixed on this side. And they get that little, that little drill thing out. 
right? And they just start going to town. And, you know, first they get this, like, four-inch needle, and they stick it so far down in your gums, you think it's going to come out your neck somewhere. And then it's like, you're hoping that he waits for your mouth to go numb, but he doesn't. It's like, hey, just give me a few seconds, you know, but he just starts right in there. And I remember the last time I'm sitting in that chair, my feet were coming off the, off the thing because he was drilling, and it was going straight to my, straight somewhere. I mean, it was hurting bad. And he's just drilling and drilling and drilling. And I can see stuff coming out and flying like this everywhere. And, uh, and I'm laying there and I'm thinking, Lord, get me through this. I, I don't want to bite this guy's finger. Just help me get through this thing. But you know what? Now I can barely even remember it. <laughs> I'm glad somebody got that joke. <laughs> but you know what? Former things will pass away. You get through that pain and you look back on it and you can laugh about it. At the moment in time, you, you, you know, you want to get out of the situation, but now that it's passed, there's going to be, there's going to come a day when all this stuff on earth is going to be passed away. Amen. All of it. Isn't that a comfort? Amen. Brother Soto, isn't that a comfort? Amen. Say, well, pastor, why are you saying it that way? Because all of these things that we suffer with, all of these, all of these things that we're frustrated about, it's all going to go away and God's going to make it new. All of these thoughts and processes that we go through and the cultures that we see, the languages, all these things, heartaches, all of these things will be passed away. God's going to make everything new. His throne will be forever with man at that point. A man who has journeyed throughout the ages, who started off walking with Christ in the cool of the day, and they've gone through all these things. It's going to come full circle and we'll be with God again. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Someday we'll be able to walk and talk with Jesus Christ in God's presence forever. This is not a mystery. This is not a uh, make-believe. This is reality. And here's the big question tonight before I close. Are you a new creature? Are you a new creature? The Bible says that when we accept Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, what what I love about scriptures and what I love about the gospel, it's pretty cut and dry. Do you believe in the name of the Son of God? That's it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so tonight, I want to invite you, if you don't know Christ, would you accept him tonight? Because you want to be a part of that. Let's pray together.